independent, expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Good evening. Welcome to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, Maxim Ludwig. Ludwig is the bastard son of a born-to-run era Bruce Springsteen and country rock pioneer Graham Parsons. In other words, his music is replete with roots rock earnestness in a time when wearing one's heart on one sleeve may not be in fashion. His confident melodies will get you singing along in no time, and his able backup band, the Santa Fe 7, will get your feet moving, or at least hoisting a lighter right before their encore. Maxim and the Santa Fe 7 have been tearing up Los Angeles in the past couple years, and have just returned from a very buzzy trip to South by Southwest this March, where they opened up for none other than Duran Duran. Welcome to Independence Day, Maxim. We're happy to have you here. Yeah, scoot up a little bit closer if you yeah, could. Can come, you hear come, me? There we yeah, go. Yeah, there we go. Come, come there closer. Go. Come to me. Here we come are. So I'm very happy to have you here, man. This is great. Uh, you're a new artist. I've just learned about recently, and uh, it's great to get to know you. It's great to get to know you on the air. It's great to get to know your music. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for that introduction. That that was very nice. Yeah? Very nice. That was great. You can you can say that to your girlfriend. When I, you, I like, want to put that up on the website. <laughs> <laughs> please do, man. Please please do. You know, give us give us props. We'll give you props. We'll give you know you give us props. Well, you scratch my back, and I'll scratch yours. Please. I mean, we're all. I'm I'm itchy. I mean, this this whole uh, you know, there's so much in music nowadays that's done independently, and yeah. you know what? How how independent are you right now? I mean, you've got some kind of support. You know, do you have label support, management support? Like, what do you have? Like, we where have, are you? Well, what we have is each other. The Ma- you know, Maxim Ludwig and the Santa Fe Seven is sort of set up like a family. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a label. I mean, we we put everything out ourselves. Uh, yeah. Me and my manager, uh, my manager and I. Uh, through Two Bears Fighting Records, which is just, you know, yeah. it's us. It's us right. putting everything out. Uh, no label, no distribution. We have an agency that takes care of us, William Morris. But um, besides that, I mean, we do everything ourselves. We pay for everything ourselves. No investor, no nothing. Yeah. And that's the thing. So many people are doing that nowadays, and it's really, really changed in the past few years. I mean, it was always a tough, tough road to hoe for musicians. I mean, it was always, you know, you were scrapping along, and back in back in the day, you used to like you'd scrap and scrap and scrap to try to get the attention of an A and R guy in your town if you were from Wherever'sville, yeah. you know, Wherever'sville, Iowa, and 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 you know, convince them that you were worthy, and then you'd kind of get like getting signed was the golden ticket back then because then you got the limos and the big checks, or at least so you thought. Right. But, you know, it was kind of everybody's figured out that that was kind of a myth. I mean, all those costs were recoupable, and now we're left with this new model, and you seem to embody this model as much as anybody I've met. Well, I I, I really believe in independent artists. My, uh, You know, when I grew up, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a musician, and I wanted to write just killer songs. You know, I wanted to be an amazing live performer. I wanted to pl- have like I wanted I wanted the hard day's night dream. Right. You know, you want I I used to when I was a kid, I used to want to be in a hard day's night. That's that was my I, I used to have the girls in my class when I was like 4 years old, have them chase me and my friends around like we were the be- and that was the dream was that that you were going to hang out with your buddies and make awesome music. Yeah. And I never ever thought that I was going to spend my days on computers. Yeah. And on at home away from sunlight trying to connect with some kind of uh you know 
nowadays you have Last FM, Reverb Nation. You have to have your music on everything, you know, right. every kind of source it's, available. It's a full-time job, it seems. Yes. And that's one thing that I noticed about you as I did research about you to have you on the show was you guys, you know, for, for being like this earthy, like early 70s kind of rock experience, which is fantastic, right. by the way. We're going to get to some of your music here very, very awesome. shortly. Um, but for, for, all, for all of that earthiness, that, that the band kind of Garth Hudson feel, you are super, I mean, you as an entity, the band, whatever, you know, your organization, is very, very web savvy, very tech savvy, because it's just like you said, you're on, you know, based on my research, I've got it here somewhere. That is so cool to hear because I feel the opposite. I mean, it, it really comes through, you know, you guys are on, you know, you've got, you've got awesome. Maxim Ludwig, and it, by the way, forgive me, is it Ludwig or Ludwig? Honestly, it's whatever you want it to be. It's a, it, it's. I mean, in Germany, it's Ludwig. Of course. And then here, a lot of people say Ludwig. I kind of say Ludwig. Ludwig. Can I but split it, the it, difference? It kind of doesn't roll off the tongue. I've realized. Yeah. Lud- but it's it's a good name though. Like I, I found that to be a rock star, you have to have a name worthy of being a rock star. I got lucky. I you got know? really full names: Maxim Ernst Alexander Ludwig. Yeah, that's, that's that certainly qualifies. Right. It worked that's, out okay. It was either that or I was going to be some kind of expressionist painter. Yeah. And that didn't work out. But. Yeah, well, it's not too late, man. <laughs> there's still plenty of time to get into painting, and there's a rich tradition. You know, if John Mellencamp paints, right? You know, jump on the bandwagon. I got I, Ron, but then you know, Ron Wood does too. Ron Wood paints Jerry <laughs> Garcia. My mom yeah. gave me a Jerry Garcia tie no once for Christmas. Thanks, mom. Mother Mother's Day this weekend. Don't forget. Oh all, yeah, all you people it is. out there in Radio Land, so don't is. forget. I mean, you know, she, whoever she is, she did a lot for you. Don't yes, ever forget it. I will never. But wiping and all. <laughs> Anyway, I digress. So what I was saying was, you know, so you know, as I was doing research, you know, you guys, of course, you have MaximLudwig.com. Yes. You've got, you know, MySpace.com slash MaximLudwig. Mm-hmm. You've got the Facebook. You've got, you're on Flickr. You've got uh, CD Baby, Amazon, which are sales sites, of course, yeah. but then the ones you were talking about. I mean, where, where aren't you on the internet? Oh, God, I don't know. There seem to be more websites popping up every day yeah. that we have to keep track of. You know, I'm so happy you say that we're... We're available because that's one of our fears is that, you know, none of us are really tech savvy as people. I've actually had to learn how to use computers and and social media because of this band. Right. Yeah, you know, which is really it's great to be able to hear that somebody out, you know, in Australia digs your music. Yeah. It, well, it's it amazing. Really, honestly, it does come through. I mean, you know, aside from just having the little logos of all the different sites are, are you know, on the side of yeah. your page, you know, and you've got your site, you know, I'm, do you know, are you familiar with Drive-By Truckers at all? I, you know what? I don't know their music very Fantastic well. Fantastic band. I mean, their, their heyday was a few years. I mean, well, actually, they're doing, they're, as far as sales goes, they're doing yeah. as, bad, as well as they ever have. Heard uh, so much about them. They're fantastic. We'll, we'll talk more yeah. about this, as, you know, after the show, perhaps. But they they've got a system or a situation a lot like yours, where they have a very interactive website. And it sounds dopey to say interactive, but when I say that, I mean it's comprehensive. There is, if you're a fan of drive-by truckers, there's a lot of information on there. You can scroll around and look at lyrics and liner notes That's and all their records. Of course, they've got sales, you know, vinyl, CDs, all the stuff is on there. Everything, all the merch is on there. But everybody has that. But they somehow go another level deeper, maybe even two or three levels deeper than that. And you, you kind of touch on that with your Thank website you. too. And and it, it it really comes through. So my my question in in light yeah. of this is how do I mean that that's. I get exhausted just looking at all that stuff because I know how much work it takes. Yeah. How do you guys divide up that labor? Oh, well, you know, really it's favors. It's favors. Um, the website was designed by a guy named uh, Brandon Pattengale, and he, we sat down, and I told him, you know, I know this has to look digital, 
because it is a digital <laughs> thing. But I would love if we could get the most sort of honest vibe that we yeah. can out of it, which maybe is the least honest if you think about it. If yeah. I'm putting something that's a little more analog on a digital site, that's least honest. But um, it's it's I, I don't know. It's it's with this band, it's been really tough to figure out how we do the labor. Um, yeah. Well, what we do is, uh, it started out as just me uh-huh. and uh, just a bunch of people around me, and I'll go into that later. But right. Um, right now, we all just kind of, it's its a band mentality. We try and do everything that we can together. I mean, for this show that we had the other night, we still do the old thing. We go out um, the week of the show. and you poster. I, oh, we poster everywhere. The pedal steel player and I, Chris Voss, we, we sit in his car and we go from light post to light post and then we do it we do it about twice three times a week because they get ripped down right we were, we're old school in that did you way. ever get do you ever get any heat from the authorities in terms of those posters because i was no. i used to i used to I mean, I, my, my biggest playing heyday was in chicago and i used to right. canvas the hell out of that town you know half right. I, used to, I feel like i used to drive over the town kicking pallets of my flyers out the back of a plane you know right, that's, right, that's right, what right. i felt like i was doing at the time but so and i was always concerned that you know like soon like one day, like the black helicopters were going to show up and drag me out of the house for, for you know, it was, it was essentially graffiti. It is. And, um, you know, especially I carry this uh, staple gun with me, one of those huge metal yeah. staple guns. And when I'm walking around, I'm not exactly the cleanest looking guy. And when I'm walking around at night and I've got this, you know, s- silver staple gun in my pocket, I, yeah. I don't look really, you know. It's uh, a weapon. It's It's scary. It's, yeah. I, I've actually thought, oh, man, you know, going out there at night by myself, I'm probably going to get in trouble with someone, but it's never happened. Yeah. Well, let's 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 get to some music so cool. we've given people something Very to cool. chew on while we're talking here. We'll come back and talk a lot more about the band. We'll talk about these demos that, you know, that we're going to be playing, which, you know, sound an awful lot like finished stuff to me. Uh, and then, you know, we'll come back. We'll talk about a lot of other things. But this Great. first track we're going to play, this is from, it's not really on a record, but it's free download on your website, which is MaximLudwig.com. Yeah. And this is a song called Stacy Come On. So let's roll with this on Independence Day.
And that was Stacy Kaman from Maxim Ludwig and the Santa Fe 7. The, the, the track sounds great. The judicious use of, uh, of maracas. Oh, yeah. You know, that's our drummer, Jorge yeah. uh, Balbi. He's insane. He's from Peru. Uh-huh. Uh, he's uh, one of my best friends in the world, and he's absolutely insane. Yeah. He plays. That's none of that percussion that you heard on any of the tracks is overdubbed. Really? That's all live. That's, so he's he's playing snare and kick and and he's shaker playing, at the same well, time. He's, he's playing like on that tune. He's playing the floor tom with a maraca. Okay. And then he's got you know his hi hats over here. He frequently you know straps Strap stuff. bells to his legs. He's insane. You know who's great at that? I forget the guy's name. The guy, uh, Buddy Miller. Do you know Buddy Miller? Yeah, of course. Fantastic. One of my favorite guitar players, writers, even singers. The guy's, Amazing. The guy's a force of nature yes. and I am i couldn't be happier to see that he's getting like his due. You're talking about Jay Bellarose, right? The, yeah. The drummer. The drummer. That guy, you know, because I saw insane. them play up at Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival last October right. up in San Francisco they played and I mean, I've seen him play before, but he's so impressive. He does a lot of that stuff. Like, he doesn't even set up a hi-hat. Oh, yeah. So, like, the traditional drumming model for him doesn't really exist. I love that. And that's, you know, that that's... Jorge makes up a huge part of our sound yeah. um, when it comes to, you know, it's it's a lot of his... You know, growing up in Peru, he, he didn't really have the same education as we did, uh, musically speaking, when it comes to, you know, great early rock right. and roll records and not not zeppelin and kiss for him well no it's uh, you know it's what it is it's like he had never heard bo diddley until i got him a bo diddley record just like a best of for yeah. him to get started and you know that blew his mind to hear music that yeah. was that simple you know one chord and then that those maracas you know that's he brings a whole nother world into our music because he doesn't It'd be what we were talking about when we were off the air about Tom Waits' vocals, right? Right. If you try and do Tom Waits, even if you try and do his music, uh, if if it's not very, 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 very subtle, it's like you yeah. said, the alarms go off. I think it's impossible to try in any way. It's 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 a it's a moot point to try to sound like Tom Waits because as soon as you put even the little tiniest hint of it in your music, the big giant flag goes up that you're trying to sound like Tom Waits, and you are immediately therefore a faker. Exactly because he is the real deal. He's, and the, then, he's the real deal of real deal. And and that's the same way with our music. When you, when you take Jorge out and you were to put any other drummer in there. It would kind of make the music a little straighter. It wouldn't go into that direction, you know, a lot of maracas, a lot of very straight sort of, uh, straight as in, you know, efficient drumming. Right. But very loose, a lot. He's got a lot of swinging groove. He's got, yeah. you know, that kind of, um, he's got, I mean, Jay Bellrose has that kind of groove. Well, that's honestly, that's what I think made John Bonham such a fantastic drummer is that he swings the hell out of those Zeppelin tunes. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's, you know, or, or like, and a guitar example might be Eddie Van Halen, right. where like when all the other metal, like early hard rock guys were playing, and they were playing very ominous chord progressions. But if you listen to Van Halen, there's a lot of re- a lot of major thirds. Right. There's a lot of, and he's grinning the whole time. And granted, <laughs> he's drunk off his rear, but right. but he's a really when he's playing, he's he's super happy, and it really comes through in the music. And it's the same thing for the drummers too. I think it it, it makes. Oh, the, Such a big difference. The, you know, one of my, my favorite happy band is uh, Booker T and the MGs. Totally. Al Jackson Jr. and Steve Cropper, they both have that yeah. swing, you know, that, that going back and forth. And I, I saw this great uh, DVD of, um, uh, what is it, Norway 1967 Stax uh-huh. Volt Review. Yeah. Sam and Dave kill it. Uh-huh. They kill it on there. So you're a pretty young guy. Yeah. How is it? 
you know, and there may be a simple answer, there may be a, a circuitous answer. Mm-hmm. How is it that you are so well versed in like the music of our? And I don't mean our forefathers as a society, but like mm. music, like good music forefathers. Like you, you know, I, I re- you know, looked through your website, you know, and you reference, you know, the Stax thing, the Volt thing, uh, gospel, spirituals, bar songs, chess, blues, country ballads, Lieber, Stoller, Holland, Dozier, Holland. How many songwriters at your age have any clue who Holland, Dozier, Holland you know, are? Oh, you know, I think there are a lot more than than one would think. There's a whole bunch of us out there right now that are really— Well, it's getting bigger now. Yeah, it's—, it's uh, I think what happens is when you have when when the internet brings out so much white noise and you've got so much to pick from people are just going to go they're going to mainline to the great shit uh <laughs> the great stuff they're going to mainline to the great stuff and it's uh they're going to hit that yeah you know I mean I I grew up I grew up listening to the same exact music I listen to today. Uh-huh. I was very, very, very lucky that my old man had an amazing record collection. And he had he had so many records. And like I actual record records. Yeah, record records. Because you you're coming at you you grew up probably what in the eighties, uh, I'm guessing. I was born in nineteen eighty eight. Nineteen eighty eight, okay. Yeah. So I, I you know my my First record I ever, you know, first CD, you know, that I bought was probably about eight years old, you know, yeah. and that's when there were still, you know, Tower Records and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. But well, well, those haven't; those have just died recently. In the yeah. past, like four or five years, those have gone away. So that's not a new. I mean, that's a relatively new development. Yeah, it's, brick it's, and mortar stores are gone. It's amazing. Oh, we were driving over here on the way over, um, and I think it was a, what was it, Canterbury Records or not, what was There's it? There's a place it? on Colorado. Yeah, right well, across we, the right. I don't know the name of it. Right across the street here. There's from, like a movie theater nearby. Okay. Yeah, it was. I was just th- thinking, oh, man, you know, record stores. That doesn't yeah. happen. But well, back to what I was saying. The, the my old man had this amazing record collection, and he was a photographer. And I was just at home in Germany a lot, and I would go through these records. You know, the way I got into Graham Parsons was because of the cover of Sweetheart of the Rodeo, because that used to scare me as a kid. (laughs) There's something, I know it's, you know, a very, very jovial cover, you know. When you're a kid, everything's different. The perception is very different. Well, it was just black and then had these very, very saturated colored women smiling and they're cowgirls. That was just, there was something very, very strange about it to me. And I didn't put it on for years. Um... But that was that was one of the main ways I got into music, and um, really my tastes haven't changed too much. I've always loved the same kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I just I. But where? So it's from your father primarily. Not not, re- not even though I mean my my ma when my ma remarried, she uh, she married this guy and he was a huge Rolling Stones fan. Uh huh. And. He had a huge uh, CD. This he had a CD collection, but um, it's a record collection. Just it's the a same. record collection. But he he's the one who um, I used to hated the guy, hated the guy. But I used to steal all his records. They were so amazing. You know, Exile on Main Street when you're about 11 years old is mind blowing. You've ne- you know I just want to see his face. You'll have nightmares. It's it's it. You listen to the first time you listen to the band. It's devastating. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, watching such, you know, these young bands like you, we were talking about Dawes before. I'm a yeah. big fan of Dawes. Their new record comes out in just about a month. As a matter of fact, like a month and a couple of days, I think. 
think June, is it the 6th? I have no idea. Yeah, it's soon. It's about a month from now. Uh, new Dawes Records coming out. And there's a lot of bands like that. You said they're you grew up with those guys. They're oh, kind yeah, of contemporaries I, I, of yours. Yeah, I, I went to high school with the bass player. I've known them for a while. They're great guys. They uh, played shows with them back when they yeah. were Simon Dawes. Simon and, Dawes, yeah. the, the band before they dropped the middle name of the other singer yeah. and became just Dawes. Uh, but you know, there, there's you, there's those bands, and there's, there's them. There's a lot of other bands around who I, I, I hate to call it rediscovering. But it seems like there was a period where people weren't really digging into that kind of music. It was as if the, the whole standing on the shoulders of Giants idea. They were listening to bands who might have listened to bands who might have listened to those original bands. And I think it had gotten diffuse to the point where the original, like, uh, the main line to the original inspiration had maybe somehow got lost. And oh, like, yeah. A lot of people are picking that back up. And Absolutely. I, I couldn't be happier about that fact. Absolutely. I mean, really... Um what you have are a lot of great bands in this late, you know, the mid seventies, late sixties. You have amazing, amazing bands, and I love those bands so much. And the music that really always got me was the music, and that's I think where a lot of comparisons come from that I don't understand with our music. A lot of people will compare us to, to certain, you know, mid seventies bands that I'm not even, uh, you know, we, we've gotten Skinnered before, which kind of. I, you know, there, there are far worse things you can no, be no, no, to which, Leonard Skinner. I love Leonard Skinner. That's the thing. But yeah. I, I don't hear it. I think it's that the music that we listen to and that a lot of bands that are, you know, doing doing similar things that we are, we all love the music that predated that. Right. We love the music. We love, you know, Holland Dozier Holland. We love, I, I am a huge fan of Brill Building music. That's my favorite. Those that I wish I could have been a Brill Building songwriter. Yeah. That I, it's a time. I think that what it is is that instead of just listening to like Led Zeppelin, who I love, but just the jams, you know, listening to Moby Dick and forever, and that's cool. But the thing is, where where did they get it from? Right. You, you take a step back and you see that you know, um, you know, Killing Floor, Howlin' Wolf. Yeah. One of the greatest riffs of all time, and then you, you're listening to that, and you go, wait, Jimmy Page took that. Yeah. Well, the good news with those bands, and Clapton was another guy who was like that, too. They were always very, very open about where that came from. And to this day, I mean, Eric Clapton, to this day, champions Buddy Guy Ah. and champions all those old players, the ones that are still around. Yeah. So they were very, you know, respectful about that. And it's it's good to hear it coming back around again or maybe being picked back up or just at least paid attention to by younger musicians, which is fantastic. It's so, song-oriented music. Exactly. It's, that's what it is. It's it's song. It's like CCR. It's like, yeah. you know, it's... I, I'm, I'm happy to hear them come up because... Oh, I, I love them. My, my guitar player, my old band, Tyler, who up in San Francisco, uh, his opinion was that the greatest band, the greatest American band of all time was Creedence Clearwater Revival. I've, yeah, I'm, I've had and, this discussion with our yeah. pedal steel player. And, and a case could be made for that. You know, maybe they didn't break new ground in terms of, like, Radiohead or, you know, but, like... Whatever. They wrote the book... On um, what became American rock and roll. Like, if you, anyone can, no one can play an E7 chord for three minutes the way John Fogarty can. Yeah, and bass and that entire's voice. Oh, that, that voice. voice and his he's he's had the same haircut for you know going on forty years. And you know now. what's funny though? He pl- he wears it better than Jackson Brown's haircut that he's had for forty <laughs> years though. <laughs> Uh, At least that's that's my, that's the opinion no, no, of this, I, I, this radio host. It's it, it makes sense. I I mean Fogarty is he is a champion. Yeah. CCR is you know, it's so interesting to think that they were the number one singles band after the Beatles. Yeah. And no one and I didn't, you know, I've always considered myself a big CCR fan 
And it only took me about, uh, it was about two months ago that all of a sudden I realized, wait, they had broken up by 72? Yeah. And that, that whole thing happened between like 68 or so. Yeah, exactly. That maybe, like six, maybe 69. Like this was back, they were like, this is the second time Duran Duran's going to come up tonight. Oh, great. Probably again they'll come up. But <laughs> they, uh, you know, Duran Duran when I was like in high school, it's like they were releasing an album. It's like every 30 minutes there's right. a new Duran Duran album. And that's the way Creedence Clearwater Revival was. There was a new album. And then from like 69 to 72, it's like there was a new album like every five months or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. And, you and know think what? of the quality that all of them were good. You know, it's well, the albums, some of the, some of the tracks are throwaways. Some True. of them, some of them are. But as a singles group, yeah. as a singles, because, you know, my, my I think that their hands down best record is Green River. Yeah. I mean, as, as just, you know, an album. You know, you got that's the one that's the one you got Lodi on there. You got wrote a song for everyone. Woo. Yeah. I mean, your song. I mean, as a songwriter, that's what you want to say. Right. I wrote a song for everyone. You know, I couldn't even talk to you. That's that. Those are that's the stepping stones for great. Yeah. Storytelling. And in some ways, I hate to use the phrase "low hanging fruit," but this, but rock and roll was still young at that point. I mean, it'd been around, you know, since Chess and Diddley and uh, Chuck, Jerry Lee Lewis, all those guys. It had been around for a while, but that was when rock exploded. And oh, it yeah. really became a big thing. So, like, there were topics you could touch on that hadn't been taught, hadn't been talked about yet. Yeah. You know, and then when rock became very ponderous in the 70s, it kind of started looking in on itself and, like, trying to look for thinner margins of stuff to talk about. Yeah, of course. And then, of course, the cocaine. Uh, of course. <laughs> right? That had a big deal. That, that was a big part of it. All, the, all those records from... Uh, like the late seventies, they're like so high pitched and like tinny timbre wise because yeah. it's like like when everybody's mixing, they've been up for four days and they're blasted on coke. Well, listen and it's to like, Bowie's records. Yeah, <laughs> and it's all there's no low end; it's all high end. So anyway, let's let's digress from that because I want to get to a little bit more of the music from your, the records that you guys are doing, the demos that you're doing. And we come back, we're gonna have you play live, and I'm all looking right, forward to hearing good. that too. You brought a great old guitar here. I love old guitars. So it's it's older it's, it's older than you. This guitar, yes. that's a very good thing. You should always have a guitar older than you. That's my opinion. <laughs> so this is another track from these demos that Maxim Ludwig and the Santa Fe Seven. It's not really an album, but you can download it for free at maximludwig.com. This is the track Gone. Yeah. 
That was the track on from Maxim Ludwig in the Santa Fe 7. We are couldn't be happier to have him here on Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. I am your host of Independence Day this Wednesday and every Wednesday from 7 to 8 p.m. We have bring great musicians in, Los Angeles' best musicians. I hate to say unsigned because being signed doesn't really make any difference anymore, but we bring them in. We talk to them about what it's like to be a musician in 2011 in the new media environment, whatever that is. We have them play music live. We have some laughs. And, uh, you know, learning what it's like to be them, hear what, the, hear what good things they've got to say. So, again, Maxim, thank you so very much for thank being here very, tonight, man, coming all the way all the way from Silver Lake. All the way from Silver Lake. Yeah. All and so, way. and you, we talked about this a little bit before. You, uh, you were you born out here? You've got connections to Southern California. But uh, you've kind of been East Coast, West Coast. Yeah, well, I've been East Coast, West Coast, Europe. Um, okay. I've been, I uh, was born in New York, lived out there for a while. City or state? Uh, city. Okay. Uh, lived out there probably, I have no idea, probably I was like four or five, something yeah. like that. Uh, moved to Los Angeles, spent a lot of time in Germany. My old man's German, whole family's from a really, really small town, uh, literally in the middle of Germany. Everybody knows your name. It's yeah. that kind of a town. And spent a lot, a lot of time over there. Uh, that's actually where I got my sea legs playing music. Um, as a harmonica player when I was a little kid. Yeah, your your thing said you you'd play in beer tents. Yes, yeah. So how old were you? I mean, how old were you before they let you try the beer? Oh, I was like eight or ten. You yeah. know, it's, they, it's different culture. Well, it's totally different. And that's actually how they would you know pay me. They'd give me you know, a big old mug of beer and say you know play for the night, and it was fun. It was a lot of fun to be on stage when you're that young, and um. And then I, you know, went back and forth, and I went to college for a bit. Um, Curiously, what did you study when you were in school? I, I don't—I studied creative writing, okay. but I was really only there for a year, so I didn't really have time to really focus in on anything. I always thought, yeah. you know, I'd try my hand in music and maybe come back. Wishful thinking in a weird yeah. way, but— um, well, again, the painting and college. Yeah, right. You're, you're, you're you know, there's plenty of time. There's to get always, to all there's these always, things. there's always time. I mean, tell that to my, uh, tell that to my parents. There's yeah. always time to go back to school. Do they, do they, do they give you, uh, do they give you grief? Um, no, they don't. They're actually, they're pretty cool with it. I mean, in the beginning, it wasn't cool. It was, you know, both my parents are photographers, so I never got why it was, you know, music was also a little, yeah. <laughs> you know, you'll get over it one of these days. You'll yeah. you'll grow out of it. Uh, but I never did, and now they couldn't be more supportive of yeah. it. They, they, it. They know that there's nothing yeah. else out there I want to do. If it's for you like it is for me, it's a compulsion. Yeah. It's like it's beyond, it's something that I, it's, uh, I can't not do it. Yeah. I, I Honestly, I wish I could not do it. 
because it, it would then, make you sleep better. Well, I would have a nicer stereo. <laughs> I would have because that's the big joke. Like my friend, I have, I have a really close friend who uh, sells very very expensive home stereo. He was in Tom Petty's house. He sold stereo equipment to Tom Petty, like right. fifteen thousand dollars speakers and you know stuff. Wow. That, it's beyond my beyond reality for me. And he always taunts me because he comes to my house, and of course I've got this ramshackle studio set up in my living room, right. held together with you know gaffer's tape and bungee cords and you know, you know it's, gorilla it's great. glue. Yeah, whatever, whatever holds the thing together. It's like the Millennium Falcon, man. Right. It's got it where she counts. <laughs> but he would always give me grief because my stereo is the same crappy stereo that I've had since college, and it, it really is a piece of junk. It's terrible. Yeah. So so bad now that I actually have both speakers plugged into one side of it because the the other channel blew out. I have a confession. I, I just listen to stuff on my laptop yeah. with no speaker. Just the, the, the It's horrible. I've been listening to, with headphones lately. It's the only way I can listen to music now yeah. because I just can't afford a stereo. Yeah, well, that's, that's exactly my point. You know? I would rather put my money, my resources into music because I've got this compulsion. Oh, and, yeah. You know, that's, that's, where my, that's where all my resources go is to do that, not to have a nice stereo or, uh, you know, let's say dental work for example or yes, yes. you know things well, it's, it's also things, frivolous things it's it's like all right do i want a new stereo stereo or do i want a bigsby on my telly right you know what's more important well you know yeah. i play I, I can i can play music for myself if i need to yeah oh, totally <laughs> totally and here's a here's a question for you yeah. as a writer you know i felt uh I'm curious. Like, I didn't really learn to write really, really well until I actually, because I, I, I love music. And when mm-hmm. I was growing up, I had, you know, or in my first apartments through college, I had radios in every room or like some kind of music playing device in right. every room. But I found that I didn't really start writing really well, or at least I hope it was well, until I turned off the input. In other words, I learned to turn off listening. Right. Because then what happened was then I would go through this like withdrawal period where I was like, ah, ah, no music, no music. Right, right. But then my brain had to fill that void with something and would start, that's when music started coming out in earnest. Oh, a no, lot. no, that's exactly, well, I think that it, for any artist, there are periods of input and output. I mean, there are times where I think I'm never going to write a song again uh, and I feel like it's left me and I think I'm all, you know, Oh God! I, will I ever do a, it again? It's a tragedy. Will I ever? Will I ever be able to write a chorus again? I don't think yeah. I will, and and it happens. And lo and behold, it shows up again. And that's also, I guess, a sign of you know you, when you've been doing it for a while that which I I'm just starting to hit. You know, thinking to myself, you know, I will be able to write again. But yeah. there's always that little moment. And but I've learned that you know. What you gotta like? What you said? There's input and output in every artist's life. In every, if I can't write well, I go out more. I live. I you know watch more movies. I read more books. I try and uh, try and fill up that space. Like you said, there you have to. And I don't. I don't know how the Beatles did it. Because what George Harrison? How young was he when they first got rolling? Who's like seven, fifteen, sixteen years old? You know, and granted, he wasn't the principal writer, but those other guys weren't that terribly much older. Like, I personally waited until I was, I mean, I always tinkered with writing, but I really didn't really embrace writing until I was a little older. Because mm-hmm. I honestly felt as if I wanted to live more, to have more to say, right. to go out, get my heart broken, to, you know, uh, get lost and have to fix the car, right, to, like, right. beg for a ride, to, to actually have you know, a, a width and breadth of experiences on earth because otherwise, you know, I can, you know, there's all, of course there's artistic license. You're, you know, all the bad well, things don't happen to everything people write about, but I wanted to be some authenticity in what I was doing. Well, yeah, you don't need to, um, you, you don't need to be a murderer to write crime and punishment. Correct. You know, you, you don't, you don't need to, 
a lot of times the way I look at writing, and this is just me and my own process, is that um, everybody is connected to, everyone has their own emotional way of being. Everyone accepts things different ways, but there's there are certain metaphors um, in life that, that, that we can all connect to, you know, that, that bring out a certain feeling in a person. For instance, you have an attachment to, everyone has their own attachment to the ocean, right? You write a song about the ocean, everyone's going to have their own thing about it. Um, but the goal of the songwriter is trying to distill that emotion, whatever it is, into a story form. Not, not Story doesn't have to be the beginning, the middle, the end. It's, it's whatever... It's whatever you want to be. I mean, uh, Rilke wrote that, you know, somebody was asking him about, he said, I want to write some a love sonnet. He said, don't write a love sonnet. Uh, write about tying your shoes. Write about something that you know. Because love sonnets have been written, and they were a lot better than right. probably anything you're going to write. That's kind of my view. You write about something that's very personal. Sometimes the most specific thing can be the most broad. Yeah. You know, and, and if you want to, you know, if you want to kill someone in a song, you can do right. that, you know? And I, I, I'm a big fan of the first-person, third-person writers. Mm -hmm. Guys like Steve Earle, Mark Knopfler kind of come to mind. Randy Newman Randy for Newman. Me. Is, oh, yeah. He was at Hardly Strictly last year. Holy cow. I bet he was One amazing. man in a piano and a rumpled sport coat, and he owned, <sighs> He's he owned the place. He's um, one of my favorite songs. He's probably up there with the most important songwriters for yeah. me when it comes to... Uh, being able to get the eccentricities and the minutia of, of, of writing, of film, of, of every all the great art forms that have been hard to put into song form. Because you know what? Rock and roll is the greatest invention, right? You know, you can, uh, I'm talking about like real rock, you know, like we were talking, Bo Diddley, Chuck Berry, Elvis. That is the stuff that is so, 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 so important. Fat stop. I mean, I think one of the most beautiful lines ever written is, um, you know, I, uh, I found my thrill in Blueberry Hill. Uh, that what an amazing, just like little piece of writing, right? And the the moon stood still on Blueberry Hill. That is amazing stuff. But that doesn't mean that we can't, as songwriters, bring in those little details of other art forms into music, you know, people that do it amazing, Leonard Cohen, Lou Reed, Tom Waits. Um, but, you know, I'm always in this kind of, like, battle with myself. Do I want to write a song where I'm, I'm really focusing in on what it means, or do I just want to write a, a rock and roll tune? Well, that's just it. You, you, as a writer, I think most artists at some point, they learn to get out of their own way. Yeah. Because it's very easy to be very introspective about what you're doing and very serious about what you're doing. It's like, well, okay, well, you know, I mean, like you said before, I mean, there's there's an argument to be made. Well, I don't want to write a love song because there's a lot of love songs. But if you want it to be real and you want it to be raw and your girlfriend just took off, that's going to be your real raw time to do that. Right. And maybe that won't be the best song in the world. But, but that's your moment. But that's your moment to do that. And you need to try, I mean, the more you exercise that muscle, the more you capture the ability to then you know, 
transform that into other things. You know, maybe that's the whole thing, the first person, third person thing, yeah. where, you know, Steve Rill will write a song, for example. You know, he's writing from the first person perspective of some guy driving a truck in Afghanistan. Yeah. Steve Rill's never probably even been to Afghanistan, you know, or maybe he has. I don't know. Right, right, right. But that's not the point. The point is he knows enough about that and maybe wrote it in a period, you know, when he could relate to that and make that have a sense of authenticity. Oh, you know, yeah. so you, but there, there's a way to get to it, you know, and th- these are like the inner machinations of writing. And I love this stuff. And it's great to talk with someone who does it on a regular basis. Oh, it's, it's, writing's everything, man. It's the, the, I can't stress how important songs are to me. Yeah. Just the, the song, like real, real song songs, you know, the, the very traditional song format i love you know what hits me i guess i write lyrics in a very at least right now in this period i'm kind of i'm lucky right now i'm having a lot of output i'm been for a while it was kind of a sleepy period i wasn't writing too much um letting it all come out but the way it works for me usually is that the melody is the first thing that hits me interesting the melody is that is like what you're talking about you know the girl breaks up with you breaks your heart the melody is the first thing that comes to me, never the words. Are there, now when you come with them, I mean, do you have like, because when I'm doing this, this is really inside baseball right here, yeah, but of like, course. do you have gibberish that goes along with that oh, melody? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, I'll be walking down the street and be like, you know, la da 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 da, meow, meow, ring, meow, ring. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, oh, you're, it's like you're, you're speaking in tongues almost. Well, we have a song called uh, Fist Fight Tonight, and the, the core, I'm just going to play it. Yeah, sure. Just, uh, the chorus goes, you, you might have to see. Fist fight tonight, and that's the chorus, right? The way I came up with the lyrics for that was, I was, I was, I just bought um, Richard and Linda Thompson's "I Want to See the Bright Lights Tonight." I have not heard a note of it yet. I was just looking at the cover, thinking, "Wow, this is a great cover," and then I just started imagining, "I, uh, I want to see the bright lights tonight." the name of the album and I was like you know what that's probably not how the song goes on the album I'm just going to write it before I listen to it you yeah. know it's it, so gibberish comes to you I, I was just reading um, Keith Richards and Mick Jagger had a very very who I think are two of the greatest songwriters of all time and don't get very much respect as songwriters I love their songs I think I that, think it's because they've turned oh, their thread don't touch that <laughs> they <laughs> I kid. I kid. They, they've turned their thing into a juggernaut to the extent that it eclipses. They've ecli- they themselves have eclipsed their own accomplishments. I think. Because, oh, yeah. Because they've become a machine. Well, they've become. A, you know, I, I've seen them live a couple times. Yeah. You know, if I have to hear like, you know, that yeah. kind of like, you know, the. It's it's, they hit it at a certain point and then they just kept on going with it and right. they became caricatures of that. That sort of riff rocky thing. Their like their record started skipping. I'd say I was talking about this with Brian Whelan, who was on when he was on our Great show. We guy. were talking about this very very same thing. He said, "You guys played a show last night just at Satellite, right?" Yeah, yeah, we played with uh, they. Uh, he was with Blue Blood, and we played last night. What the question is? What yeah. instrument was he playing with that band? He's playing bass. Bass with that band. He's playing bass because you never know. He sounds what great. instrument Brian Whelan is going to show up with that particular day, yeah. and he's and he's and he can tear the room in half with any any of them, honestly. And we've been more, you know, we would love to have him play keys with us. That's the thing, you know. He's such a great. He did a guest vocal on the the record that I gave you. Oh yeah, he did a guest vocal on a harmony song uh, for me, and you know, I, I'm very gracious. I was very happy to come in just for an afternoon, and we just laid down a few things. He's, he's a great, great songwriter. Yeah, he's and a great I'm songwriter. I'm very happy to see him getting his own like getting his due. You know, it's time. You know, he'll keep being a sideman because he's great at it. 
but he's he's come really into his own in the past couple of years, and he's I'm going to see him. He's playing the 15th, I think, at Grand Ole Echo. Oh yeah, I think it's a week from. I didn't know the Grand Ole Echo was still going on we, right now. Three a week from Sunday, I believe. We did the first show of that, the the which was so much fun. Yeah, that was so much fun. The Grand Ole, it's just great. You know, we're doing this. Actually, I gotta plug this. We're we're doing the Levitt Pavilion on uh-huh. July sixteenth. That's here in Pasadena. Yeah, the uh, Old Town, right? Yeah, um, it's a park. I don't know the name of the park, but it's it's right on. It's just the Levitt Pavilion. As yeah. far as I I used to work there. Um, as a, like a sound and light oh, really? guy, uh, this was like you know high school. Uh, I used to rap, show up in the morning. I used to drive all the way over here, and I would you know clean up the backstage. I would wrap unwrap cables. Then I would work the spotlight, mm-hmm. and uh, then I would stay after the act was done. I had to wear you know a little ear fo- ear piece, and it was stay there three hours later. Yeah. Wrapping all the cables, doing all, making sure no one took anything. Glory days, man. Yeah, oh, right. And now, and now I'm playing. You know. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm hoping that the guy that I got in a fight with, with that worked the spotlight before <laughs> me, isn't still working spotlight. <laughs> but it's no, it's gonna be a free show. Yeah. And that's the what day of the week is that? Oh God, I have no well, idea. Well, we'll get that for you when we yeah, come back. But why don't we you. do this? Why don't I, I, you've brought your guitar? Yeah. This is a great, great old guitar. This is an old Gibson. You know what you I mean? It's it's not like um. It's an LG three. I okay, believe. so you do know you are you're big as geek as I am. Oh yeah, it's uh, well. Here's the thing. It, sorry, it's an LG. Yeah, it's an LG three. Okay. Um, you know, you tell after a while. I've had this guitar for so long that with the acoustics, you forget actually what they are. But uh, you know that band Olin and the Moon? I've heard of them. Yeah, they're kind of they're around town. They play that they play with us every once in a while. I actually bought this guitar from their drummer who used to work at Vintage Gear. Uh huh. Remember that place? Yeah. It was at no more guitar stores anymore. Yeah, that's Unless a you want to go to Walmart Guitar Center and, and get... Uh... Oh, man, it's insane what they're doing now. You know, I I, uh, I play harmonica a lot, so I buy harmonicas. You know, yeah. they, they, they uh, do it in the um, blister packaging now, like a, an action figure. So you know how you yeah. used to go to a store and they and would... they put the bellow, bellows on it, yeah. Yeah, and they would just check if every note worked. Mm-hmm. Man, I've bought... And you know how much harmonicas are. I they're do. Like, I've got like, like 10 of them. And they're like 20, 30 bucks now. Yeah. And they come in the blister packaging... And they don't work, and it it drives me nuts. And there's no recourse because oh, well, it's a clerk. They're clerking sales. They're well, not. Also, you can't do anything because it's FDA. You know, you can't return right. a harmonica. Right. That's just, it's I don't know. Well, you know, and this is this is really really inside baseball for all you harmonica players <laughs> out there. Maxim and I are geeking out ex- to the extreme Pretty now. Pretty intense. As, as harmonica harmonica guys, yeah. you know, I, I you know I I've had the Lee Oscars for a while, and yeah. they they sell the replacement reed plates, but the replacement reed plate. Is like twenty five bucks, right. and you can buy a new harmonica for thirty. So it's like, well, okay, that's fantastic. But why would I not just spend the five bucks and get a whole new unit? Exactly. Well, you know, it's Lee Oscar. I used to play those um, back when I was like into Junior Wells and James Cotton and all those cat like really really bluesy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I miss the wood. Do you? I miss the wood. It's there's something about the taste. It makes yeah. it, it reminds me of when I first picked up a harmonica, what it was like. Yeah, and also I've got the German in me, so I have yeah, to yeah. buy honers. Well, you're legit. I mean, yeah. you're you're. I mean, I, I've only heard you play a few notes, but if you were playing in beer tents when you were ten, you know, you're better oh, at harmonica than I am. It, you know, it's it's a fun instrument, and to be honest, it's kind of. A, you'll hear with this song that I'm going to play. It's yeah. it's a it's a it's got more of it's not as you know cross heart blues yeah, yeah. at all. But. You know, I hate to I hate to bang on him, but you know, there's like the worst harmonica player I've ever heard who's played in front of an audience. Who? Jeff Tweedy. 
You know, I and I like him. Well, I lo- I love he's, he's from my hometown. He's a Chicago guy. I love yeah. his writing. I love his singing. I love his you know. I love Uncle Tupelo. Love the right. Wilco thing. But I saw him play an in store at, at Tower Records in Chicago. One like crappy early spring sleety night in Chicago. And he was like the worst. He had the holder on, right, right, like right. the night guard yeah. looking thing. Yeah. And he played the worst harmonica thing I've ever heard. Well, you know, I, I, I'm always very, very lenient with harmonica players. Yeah. When I, you know, if I were to see a show like that, I would, my first reaction would be, God, I feel bad for him. Yeah. You know, because well, that's the how things, harmonicas sometimes, they're so temperamental. They're cantankerous, yeah. Yeah, they're strange. Between your tube amp, which is our all cantankerous, <laughs> yeah. but we love them, and your harmonica, that's a lot of, That's a lot to deal with. Oh, yeah. So I, I have an idea. Yeah. Let's shut up. <laughs> and I would really like you to play some music. Let's because like, if I mean, we're, I'm having a great time. We're talking. We'll come back and talk some more. But you brought the guitar, and I really want to get a few, couple, at least two or three songs in. So let's once, do once it. you roll with something, tell, tell us what you're going to play first, and then let's, let's get into what it is. All right. Um... This tune is uh, from the first record. Uh, it's called To Be With Sweet Marie. What was the name of the record? Uh, it's Maxim Ludwig and the Santa Fe 7. The eponymous. Yeah, it was It was a cool record to make. Um, I made it with all my friends from high school. Uh-huh. And just a real, yeah, I want to shut up and play some music, but now i got to talk about this real yeah, quick. Yeah, well, I asked you. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, what happened is I started the band when I was in college. I... Um, or started recording the record when I was in college because we had this guy who um, he he worked uh, he was in the music department and he was a senior so he had studio time and we made a whole record like that in college. See, that's what we and we would more go, than one actually. We'd go in at midnight and then leave at six a.m. It was Bard College in upstate New York, so you know there was a lot of fun in the in the studio. But we would have all our friends in the. Um, you know, in the, uh, I don't even know, I've, I've spent so little time in studios. On the other side of the glass, basically, just like hanging out, 20 friends, pizzas, beer, and we just do live stuff, right? And then I was like, you know what, this, these songs are pretty, I feel like I have a record in me right now. It was That wasn't even like, I you know, anything, but I right now, at this moment, I think I've got enough for a record if I took seriously and moved back home, maybe something will happen. Met my manager, and he really helped me out so much with finding ways of getting this released and uh, getting it recorded, really, is what I meant. And um, then, I mean, at that point, the band had had about 15 members, which is why it was called Maxim Ludwig and the Santa Fe 7. It was this whole sort of, you know, no one's from Santa Fe. Right. There's, and there's no never seven. And you can never play with seven. Exactly. Well, we more did, we or did, less than seven. We did one show with seven. That was our first show. But you'd have to rename the band. Exactly. It was, it was my buddy, uh, Charlie. He he played Glockenspiel the entire set, and he was so pissed at me because he's an amazing guitar player, amazing keyboardist, amazing singer, and I just stuck him on Glockenspiel because I needed seven for that one show. Um, but what happened was for the next two years, Santa Fe 7 was was a revolving door. We had Josh Grange from uh, Katie Lang, Dwight Yoakam on Steel for a while, uh, Daniel Lenoir's, uh Steve Nestor. Uh, we had some really awesome. This was out here. Or this yeah, this was... out here. This okay. out here. We had some amazing musicians, and then we had some that weren't that great, and then we had ones that you know were great, but you know I couldn't deal with the. You know, certain personalities. You know how it is, and then finally, it's, being in a band is like being married to five people. 
it's insane. It's insane. But I'm in a very happy marriage right now. And we, you know, it's, it's, we got, have you heard of, uh, uh Ben Riddell? Mm-hmm. He's friends with Brian Whelan. Yeah. Uh, he, he's our bass player. Okay. Um, Chris Voss is our pedal steel. And it's right now it's a four piece in Jorge on drums. Mm-hmm. And this has been the most fun, you know, we all get along. We all bring in our own. I love these guys. So it's it's been a long road to find the permanent Santa Fe. It takes seven. a long time. Whew. We just did a Wikipedia page. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you about that in a sec. <laughs> we play let's, some music. Let's get some music let's in. Some this music. is a music show. You, you look good doing it, so let's hear it. All right.
Very nice, man. Thank you. There's always that awkward moment when somebody plays music like in a radio studio like that, where it's like there should be an audience and you want them to be throwing babies because it was awesome. <laughs> but like, and but I can't just sit here and go. Yeah, that's, that's, that sounds uh, even worse to have like one guy clapping. And then there's some radio stations do that, which I think is the most egregious thing of all, which is like they, they queue up like on yeah. a CD or, you know, uh, like a whole like room full of people and like going crazy. And I so uh, I, I can only say that's great, man. That Thank sounds you. fantastic. Thank you. you know, you're uh, you're you're doing the right thing and you're going in the right direction. You know, don't worry. Your parents shouldn't have anything to worry about. <laughs> Thank you, man. You know, I love I. I don't get a chance. Nor to, should you. For no, that, thank you. Well, I, I haven't. I don't get a chance to play the slower, you know, more moody kind of stuff yeah. these days. The the band live is a bit right. more of a rock act where yeah. we take our cues from Stax Vol kind of showmanship mm-hmm. and. It's, do, you have a, do you have a cape? Does someone like? Oh God, I wish. Right, <laughs> I've been working on the knee trick, Dare falling down yeah. on snow. Oh man, I I see James Brown is my favorite performer i wish i was james brown yeah. you know it's 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 not anymore but uh, in the tammy show have you ever seen that performance i, I, have, I have not oh, seen the man. tammy show you gotta see the tammy show it was a performance in santa monica in 66 you know it's funny my favorite james brown record doesn't have a doesn't have james brown on it maceo parker mm-hmm. did a record this is actually i think in the early 80s 90s in germany actually oh yeah called live on planet groove where it's his whole band Without him, not the whole band, but right, it's like right, it's right. like uh, I forget all their names. But it's Maceo, the drummer, yeah. the keyboard player, the or Hammond organ guy tearing it up, guitar player, and you know uh, maybe some background chicks. But there's I think it's mostly instrumental, but it's kind of jazzy funk. It's like we play 99% jazz and no way we play we play not 1% jazz and 99% funky stuff. And That's it's, so cool and it's awesome. Apollo live at the Apollo uh, is shattering. It sh- that that record shatters any idea of what a live performance can be, especially in the time that it was recorded. How, I mean, they probably couldn't hear each, uh, each other on stage at all. Yeah, you know it, it, that that kind of stuff. So, I love that for live, but I very rarely get to play this kind of stuff. Yeah. And th- this is the kind of stuff you know I could go in here and be like, but it doesn't have the same effect it's if there's no the drums behind it. You know, yeah. it's 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 a. Uh, so it's, yeah, I'm re- I was really looking forward to actually being here today yeah, yeah. to play the, the quieter stuff. What's, so what's the name of that? To Be With Sweet Marie. To Be With Sweet Marie. Now, is that something that you've recorded with the band, or is that something new? What oh, is no, that? that, that's from the first record. That's okay. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. You're, you, you said that. Yeah, yeah, Please it's from me. the you first said. record. Yeah, the story with the stuff that we've been recording right now, um, you know, we went into studio for about three days, and we uh, just did everything live. Stacy, come on, gone. Red eyes, vocals too. Nothing at all. Yeah, there's all li- it's all live, but then we overdubbed it. Okay. So it was like you know, let's try it with a scratch because the thing is, I feel that um, our music, the way we play together as a band, is very dependent on the melody. And if the guys don't hear the melody, right, it's over. You know. Right, and that's that's what brings the listener in too because most people aren't musicians. Most people aren't songwriters and they sing in the shower or in the car. So I think that bands who have a singer in the band, if they lose sight of how important the vocal is, it's very easy to do. Um, You've kind of lost it. Well, you know, it's, it's, that's very true. And the only reason we ended up not doing all the vocals, I mean, I sang them live, but the reason we ended up taking them out was because, you know, we pay for everything. The way we did Stacy Come On and all those tunes was I sold my car. Right. 
Freedy, s- Freedy, you know the Freedy Johnston story? No, no. You know no. Freedy Johnston, no, no, singer-songwriter no. from New York guy? He's from Kansas. And he sold his whole family farm to like finance their first record. Wow. You know, and he ended up working with Butch Vig and he's you'd like you'd like yeah. Freddy. Freddy's a great guy. I'll anyway. check it out. Well, you know, I sold I sold my car. I sold all I had some beautiful guitars. Some really beautiful I had a nineteen sixty seven ES three thirty. I mean beautiful. Great amps. I had a sixty eight Super Reverb, all this awesome I sold it all. And I sold my car and it was to pay well, the car was to pay for these recordings, right? And we went in there with the idea: this is just going to be, let's just give it, just do a live set. Do let's do each song two, three times Neil Young way, you know, just bang them. Yeah. And then so we got all the base, you know, everything was great the first day. We went in the second day, and we thought to ourselves, "Wow, these actually sound a lot better than we thought they would." You know, and um, sound wise. And then we were like, you know what? I'm sure if we add a little keyboard to this and, you know, add a little of this, it will make the song, we could actually release this stuff. So, you know, Stacy Come On, that was the first song we recorded that day. Uh, the first record, though, that was all um, the main stuff, all the vocals were live. And what ended up happening is because we're on a, sh- you know, we don't have a budget. I'd like to say we had a shoestring budget, yeah. but we didn't. Don't have a budget. Hand to mouth budget. Yeah. Uh, what ended up happening is when we went in with the first record, there was so much bleed on the vocal mic because we didn't know. I, I was You're eight, locked I in. I was eighteen. Yeah. You know, I didn't know how to record anything, so you have all this bleed, and then you know everyone that mixed it tried to mix it was saying, "Oh man, I wish you hadn't had so much bleed. It's really hard to focus." So this time, what I did was. I, I, you know, sang the lyrics exactly how I was going to sing, but very, very, very quietly, very, very quietly. The, the kind of the, um, the Bowie trick, you know, you go in there live with, or you know, even Mick used to do that. He used to have a, you know, a fifty-seven that he would sing into, and then that's why you can kind of sometimes hear little things in the background. Yeah. But yeah, you know, right now, being an independent artist is one of the most challenging yet most rewarding I think jobs out there a lot of people say musicians are unemployed um, but they know. work harder than everybody else well I'm constantly employed I'm constantly thinking of songs I'm constantly thinking about okay how am I going to get from point A to point B how am I going to get my band to the show yeah. how am I going to get you know it's a little thing. I'm constantly employed in my thoughts. I think it goes deeper than that for for artists in general. Yeah. I, I can only really speak from the musician's perspective, yeah. but you know, when you you become a lawyer, yeah, maybe you've got a predilection to talking and law, but you go to school, go to pre-law, then you go to law school, you pass an exam, yeah. hopefully, then you become a lawyer, and then at some point you become decertified and you can no longer practice law. You are then an ex-lawyer. You become a doctor. Right. You become. A race car driver, let's say, you know, maybe yeah. you're driving the lawnmower, but you become one, then you kind of retire. I felt my whole life that when you're a musician, you come out as a musician. Oh, yeah. And you go out as a musician. I hope so. Maybe you don't play as much as you did, but it's in, it's woven into the fabric of your existence. It is part of your DNA, and you can't, you know, you can't do it. You can't not do it. Yeah. So I want you to play more. Can okay. you play some more? Play something else, yeah, if you totally. would. You know what? Let me play that. Um... He's digging through uh, an awesome old suitcase. 
Yeah. I can't tell you how many old suitcases I used. To, I used to carry my gear around in old suitcases like that, but yeah. they just kept falling apart. Oh yeah, this is this is completely falling apart. Um, here, let me. You know what? This is from those sessions. I'm gonna play that song, A Fist Fight Tonight, the sure. one that uh, the one that I was mentioning earlier. It's uh, it's player's choice, man. Play whatever you like. I'm still trying to find my token This one's a nickel and this one's a dime There's a man, he starts choking Deceiving his way from my wages to catch the next line Breasts, we're doing more time. And you might 
not have to see this fight tonight And you might have to see this fight have to see the fist fight tonight, tonight, tonight. <laughs> Again, very nice, man. Thanks, this man. is Maxim Ludwig sans the uh, Santa Fe 7, but... Uh, yeah. You know, you'll be, you see them, and let's figure out that day you're playing at the Pavilion. Uh, you said, what day did we? July 16th. July 16th, which it's is free. A, it's a Saturday night. It's a free show. Oh, yeah, awesome. It's a Saturday night show here in Pasadena, and it's a free show in the park just north of uh, Old Town Pasadena. It's a great pavilion. I think it faces up north. It's like grass and yeah. trees, you know, it's pastorals you can find around here. That's um, great. So come check it out, and that's with the full band, correct? Yeah, it's with the full band. Okay. Yeah, hour and a half set. Hour and a half set. We're gonna go for it. We're we're gonna go big or go home. That sounds fantastic. You know what I'd like to do? We know we're we've gone over just a little bit, but that's okay. If it's okay, you know, since you brought the guitar, would you play another song for us before we before we wrap things up? Um, Your choice again, whatever you like. Yeah. uh, Wait, I just want to plug one thing. Well, we'll we'll talk some more after the show, but you know, I just want to make sure we get another song. You can plug it now if you like, but it's not like we're gonna stop immediately when we're done. I just want to get another song in. Let's let me do one more song. Hold on, let me think for a second. So, and this is Maxim Ludwig. Uh, I found out him, actually, I discovered Maxim because of, you know, it's funny because, you know, he and I share, you know, this devotion to, like, all things organic and all things, like, real in terms of life experience and music experience. But I discovered him because of Twitter. I started, <laughs> I discovered this show, or I, I started a Twitter account for the show to kind of promote the show. And I, I only use it for the show to kind of, like, try to generate interest in what I'm doing here. And you were out trolling around on Twitter. I don't even know what you'd even call it when you're, poking around on Twitter because you're not tweeting at that point you're just kind of looking you're just seeing what other people are doing because I yeah it's kind of I'm new to the micro blogging world yeah. so you don't really know what to say as a writer it's really hard for me to get my world down to 140 characters oh. or fewer it's almost it's a nightmare right so but anyway so you started following this show on Twitter so and I don't have that terribly many followers just yet so I checked your thing out too went to your website and it was great sent you an email right away and by the next day I think we had you booked oh yeah Definitely. So, you know, technology, you know, its power can be used for good or evil. No, it's, it's, you know? it's, 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 it makes the world a little bit smaller and a little bit bigger at the same time. Exactly. So, in that, in that spirit. Right, here we go. Play, this, play some this, tunes. This, this one's called In the Tenderloin. Let me take these off. Sure. Hold on. Taking the headphones off. Sans cons. But I'm easy to lose I've been sleeping with the radio on Changing my tune in the tender lawn, in the tender lawn, in the tender lawn, 
tonight I got 300 badges I can tie 20 knots I'm a boy scout, but I'm not threatening you. But it's all that I've got in the tenderloin, in the tenderloin, in the tenderloin tonight. He raised me With a spoon in his hand And my sister She cries every time He asked her who I am There's a 50, you want 50 And sell 334 No one there's gonna sing you to sleep I won't be there to walk you out of the tender loin, out of the tender loin, out of the tender loin tonight. Out of the tender loin, out of the tender loin. Out of the tender line tonight. Independence Day. That was Maxim Ludwig without the Santa Fe 7. And so does this next gig coming up? That was very nice, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I like it. And, and I, I'm glad you brought the quieter stuff, too, because as you said, you can come in and kind of do the same thing, but, you know, you should kind of, you know, suit the song to the room, suit the, you yeah. know, suit the audience. You know, radio is, is wide, as far reach as it has. Here in the studio, it's kind of very intimate. You know, you don't know who's on the other side of the, the air. You know, right, for, right. for us, it's you and me in this room, and we're, we're interacting, and and uh, I think you brought the right tunes. Thank you. Thank now, is, is that something you can find? Is, again, is this something from the first record, something new? This something... is something new that hasn't been released yet. I okay. mean, we recorded it. It's from the same batch of recordings. Um, those last two were, you know, that that's, uh, I, I really, I'm, I love sad bastard music. Oh, I love man. I love, I love that stuff. I love the, you know, the tear in my beer. I, lo- I love 
if I could write every song I've written, I mean, Gone, which you, you, so now it goes. It's got that kind of Bo Diddley thing. When I wrote it, it went. Well, it's just an operation. You know, I love dirges. I love, yeah. I love things in six. I love the uh, six eight. I love that. Yeah. It's, it, it blows my mind. That's, you know, triple meter's making a comeback. Right, because I really think because you know like uh, rap, hip hop, you know uh, even metal. There's not a lot of it that's in triple meter, and mm-hmm. you know as these styles, these earthier styles, are kind of creeping back up, and you know the music business has become increasingly fragmented, and there's all these little pockets of really good music going on all over the country, all over the yeah. you know, and you know triple meter is something you know that's it's it seems so natural to the human condition, and you write in it, you know the last thing was in, in triple meter. And but it, it's such a great way to tell a story. Oh, it's amazing! You, you know, the phrasing you have more time to go over, especially if you slow it down. You know, the, the, one of the problems for a while was I was only writing in triple meter. Yeah, and it also had a lot to do with you know I, like I said, I grew up, spent so much of my life in Germany. Everything, you know. I mean, it's country. It, that's what it is. That's kind of what turned me. It's the same instruments. You, know, you got the accordion. You've got fiddle most of the time. It's it's. It, I, uh, you know, that kind of stuff is in my blood. That the waltz, yeah, that, that's that's in me somewhere. I, and it's it's I guess country music is the way of getting it out. You know. Yeah, yeah, it sounds great, man. And thank I can't uh, I can't thank you uh, enough. You know, for coming in. You know, I wish. You know, we we've talked. We've gone over quite a bit. You know. Oh yeah. But I would I would love for you to come back. I mean, if you really I would love to. If man. you really do want to come back to promote that show, you're welcome to do so. We I can... would love to. I would love to play here at the the college at some point, man. Yeah. I, it's all about it's all about just going out and playing live right now for us. But um, I do have to plug one thing though. Sure, absolutely. Like, uh, we we just put up the video for Stacy Come On, which is the first it, song we played tonight. Yeah, it's it's on, up on YouTube, and we just you know we are a very independent band. The guy right. that made it was an independent uh, filmmaker. It cost us two hundred fifty bucks. You'll see the video. I mean. Uh-huh. It cost me 250 bucks and burritos and beer. Yeah, and people can see that. They can probably, you, there's a link to it on your site already. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you can go to MaximLudwig.com or the Facebook page or the MySpace page. Exactly. And there's links to it on there, but it's a, it's a video for Stacy. Come on. And t- uh, so you, 250 bucks and food and beer. Yeah, and, and you know what? The, for a video, I mean, you'll see that was really just made one camera. We just, we had to, it was, we got really lucky that we, everybody that we work with, has they're part of the project now. I yeah. my favorite filmmaker is John Cassavetes, who was a huge into the independent film movement in you know the late sixties or really the early sixties was when he started yeah. out. And he's kind of my model as a band leader, as somebody I love the idea of having the freedom yeah. of being out there. You know, sometimes you wish you could do certain things though you wish you could put a little more gas in the van, but Right now, it's it's, yeah. it's the only way we can survive is like yeah. this is through the kindness of, you know, this guy Jeremy Rush, an amazing independent director, uh-huh. who was at one of our shows. He loved us, and I found out he was a filmmaker, and I said, you know what, let's do it. Yeah, because you know we as artists, and I think in society maybe even at large, we've kind of been abandoned by the corporate. Uh, bill of goods we've been sold our whole lives you know mm-hmm. like you know it's it's not so much that the state will take care of you which is like maybe more european it's that like oh the 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 ca- the, the system i don't like to say the c word yeah, yeah, the yeah. system will take care of you <laughs> you know because you know profit motive and the best product wins and it's all efficient and well, look what they did 
They drove, I mean, it's not even the Titanic. Yeah. They didn't even scrape the side. They drove the thing right into the iceberg, and now we're all paying the price. Oh, it's, you it, know, but I mean, maybe if something good can come out of this, it's that all of us are learning how to grow things from the ground up. It's going to be, it's going to be cyclical. Street level and, you know, people doing things, you know, I keep using the word guerrilla style, like we're, this is guerrilla radio, you know, you're doing yeah. music guerrilla style and, you know, we, we're all on the same team and we all, you know, it's getting back to what matters is working with people and making agree. good art. You, you know, I read somewhere that's like, shoot for the streets, not for the stars. That's, yeah. that's kind of how it is now. And I love it. I love being part of a musical community. I love being, yeah. being able to come on a show like this and just jive. Yeah. The whole time and yeah. completely lose track of time. And yeah. Like get to play a few songs to another songwriter and hear what they have to say and, you know, just talk about gear. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll have you back on. We'll, Let's we'll, do it. We'll have your people call my people, which basically means I will call you. Exactly. And, or you'll call me, whatever, and we'll work it out. But I'd love to have you come back on. You know, maybe we can plug that show that you're doing at the Pavilion here in Pasadena on um, the 15th, which is a Saturday 16th, night. 16th. 16th. I'm sorry. My bad. 16th, which is a Saturday night here in Pasadena in July. Uh, great place to see music. Outside is a great place to see music. It's a great time of year. The weather's fantastic the time of year. So you'll have the full band out there. Full band. And you can find out everything you need to know about Maxim Ludwig, which is who's been here with us all night, uh, at MaximLudwig.com, MySpace, the usual places that you can yeah. find. Good stuff to find there. So again, Maxim, I can't thank you enough for being here tonight. Thank you so and much. We'll, we'll, we'll work hard to get you back on it's here awesome. soon. So where are we here? Next week on Independence Day, we have jazzy pop chanteuse Daphne. She does kind of her own thing, sometimes plays keyboard, sometimes plays guitar, but just guitar next week. She'll be joining us in studio to talk about her new album, Sweet Time. Thanks again to Maxim Ludwig, also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley and Wayne Topinski, and to Valentino Rivera and engineers Jesse Lopez and Will Beeston from Lancer Radio. For Independence Day, I'm Joe Armstrong. Be good to one another. Standing on the corner Suitcase in my hand Jackson's course Jane is in her vest And me, I'm in a rock and roll band huh. Riding us studs back at gym You know, those were different times all, all the poets, they studied rules of verse And those ladies, they rode their eyes